Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 558 for August 12, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz. It's weird to call you a guest, uh, but it is <laughs> Programming by Stealth, episode 60 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing grand. And since I don't have to edit the show, I am a guest. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, we will call it that. <laughs> That's my metric, right? If it's someone else's problem to do the audio tedium, then I am the guest. There you go. You do all the front end work, though, so uh, it's hard for me to call you that, but I, w- I will do my best. Yeah, okay. Anyway, let, let, us, let us get geeky. So, did you say PBS Part 60 of X? I think I did. Okay. Well, anyway, we're on Part 60, which is kind of a nice round number. So, uh, we are still making our way through Bootstrap, so we have now covered three of the four legs of the stool. We have learned about the Bootstrap CSS utility classes. We have learned about the Bootstrap, uh, what it calls its uh, content classes for the standard HTML stuff, like your headings and your par- or your paragraphs and your tables and all that kind of stuff. We've learned about layout using the Bootstrap grid and the Bootstrap breakpoints. And so now we're moving on to the fourth leg of our stool today, and we're just we're just dipping our toes in this one, um, which is mixing my metaphors horribly. But anyway. <laughs> um, we are starting to look at what are called bootstrap components. And so these are reusable chunks of functionality that don't exist as standard features in HTML. So they're the basically they're the don't reinvent the wheel set of stuff. And there's quite a few of them that we're going we won't necessarily go through them all religiously but Sort of the concept of all of these is that they're reusable, the reusable pieces that are going to be universally useful or you know generally useful in many many different projects. And instead of having to start from scratch every time, you can bootstrap your way halfway through the process by leveraging the work someone else has done. Hence the name of the library is Bootstrap. To be honest, the components are are almost the bit that Bootstrap is most useful for. Even though oh, everything okay. we've done so far has been cool. Uh, I think the components are probably what drives most people to consider using Bootstrap. Oh, okay. Because you just get cool stuff that everyone wants for free. <laughs> Especially in the days of GDPR, as we're going to discover today, the, the component we're looking at today is the one used all over the internet for those notices you can dismiss that say, by the way, we have cookies dismissed. All right, I'm going to put things like that all over, uh, all over podfeet.com. Well, it's better you do it with this week's alert than with the next one we're going to look at, which is the modal dialog box. Those screens that are those quote-unquote pop-ups that take up your whole screen. They're not really pop-ups because they're inside the browser. Well, they're great for error messages and stuff. I mean, they have real function, but they're also horribly abused. But that's the next component we're going to look at after this. Not today, though. That'll be next. Okay. Anyway, uh, up until now, although I mentioned it at the very, very start of our look at Bootstrap, I said that Bootstrap is a bunch of CSS, and some JavaScript. We haven't even included the JavaScript file yet. Right, right. We have, you haven't we have skipped the off. homework, have you, Bert? I haven't. I'm okay. Still, this is still the introduction. Okay. <laughs> um, so we, we have not done any JavaScript with Bootstrap. Well, that is going to change today. So this fourth leg of the stool is very JavaScript heavy. Um. And so from today on, when we include Bootstrap, we still include the CSS because that continues to be important, but we now also have to include the JavaScript file from now on. So that, that's okay. kind of, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of appropriate we've landed on a round number episode because this is, <laughs> this is a very substantial uh, new road we're starting down. 
And you promised we would we would fold these threads together. We would be braiding all of this together, and this is where it finally starts to happen, right? That it, precisely. This is where, yeah, because the HTML we've never kind of gotten rid of. Right? There's always sort of been there in the background. We've been doing a lot of CSS. Well, now the JavaScript comes back in today. Okay. But before all of that, I set you a challenge last week, although I didn't really set you a very big challenge uh, because we didn't really cover that much in the previous show. So the challenge was simply to um, improve your current recipe, doing anything you think would make it better based on the stuff we learned last time. I'm not sure I could make it more hand-waving if I tried. (laughs) Well, now Dorothy and I did an an interesting approach to this. Uh, As you know, we discuss programming by stealth extensively on the Stairmaster, much to the entertainment of the people next to us, I'm sure. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, this one woman told us once, she says, I don't know what you people are talking about, but I find it fascinating to listen to. I'm not sure everybody agrees with that, but... uh, but anyway, we, uh, she was saying to me, and, and I agreed with her, she said, I don't know what else to do to my recipe. It's perfect. I like the way it looks. I've done everything. It looks really nice. And I don't know how to do anything else for the homework. So I said, well, what if we did something different? And I was looking at it, and my problem was slightly different. I don't, don't know that mine was perfect, but I liked it a lot. But I had gone to great care to work with the uh, with the columns, you know, uh, and setting things to work by columns and and within a within a row, and because I did that, it really wasn't mobile first. It it, it I didn't right. have a way to do some of the stuff you were teaching us. So I said, well, what if we started over and we don't start over with the recipe because we already have a preconceived no- notion of what it should look like because we just did that. What if we yeah. did something completely new? You never told us we had to do a recipe, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point rest. is to practice. So if you find, you know, if your imagination is better than mine, yay. <laughs> so the idea I came up with, and, and uh, this worked well for the two of us to do together. So, you know, Dorothy has created the fabulous PBS Index, which allows yes. you to look up anything you want that anything Bart's ever talked about. It's in the PBS Index and we have it linked all over the place. Bart and I both do. Um, and and so what I said was, what if we made a uh, pretend web page that had uh, it was all about programming by stealth. So we're going to have some sort of title at the top that says programming, programming by stealth index. And we should have Bart's logo on there somewhere, the, the programming by stealth logo. And that should probably link somewhere, have some text to talk about what it, why you might want to take programming by stealth, some of the index and something about Bart and something about me. And so I wrote up these pieces so that she didn't have to write anything. So she had these chunks of, co- of, of stuff to shove into a web page. Yeah. And I said, now let's both look at this Mobile first. If you're looking at at a, a small screen, what is the thing you would want to see first? Would you want to see the, if you saw the entire table right away, you wouldn't see anything else. And so we drew, we drew pictures and she and I both don't understand how you do it without drawing it up first. We drew pictures of what we wanted to do. What, what would the screen look like if it was a narrow and small screen and then a medium sized screen and then a large screen? And we drew little boxes and then we had to start saying, okay, this is part of this and this is going to be, uh, you know, this is going to be call of call 4M and, and, uh, yeah. set all the little pieces up. And we made little web pages that look, I think they look really cool. And it was, it was a really fun win. We realized, man, what we had done before was nothing like this. By the way, there's a word for what you guys did. It's called a wireframe, and it's exactly how actual web designers work. 
<laughs> okay. I did it scribbling in Notability on my iPad, which is oddly a much better way than a pencil and paper uh, because I can grab pieces and move them around. If I, if I make a mess of something and I don't leave myself enough room on the side, I can grab scribbles and move yeah. them like you can't on a piece of paper. So it was, uh, it was a really fun way to do this project. And I, and I don't know whether it would ever be useful the way it is, but it was fun to do. And it really, it, it, one of the big things I wanted to learn to do was do the breakpoint aware tags inside um in html and that was the last thing you taught us and i couldn't figure out how to work that into the other example and now i did excellent well I, I, you sent me it on and i think it looks really cool so i think you guys did a great job I, I, your wireframing approach even though you didn't know what you were doing wireframing i think it worked perfectly yeah yeah so dorothy's design looks different than mine which is fun because we didn't come out with the same end product but we started with the same blocks and ideas and worked it out together of like well wait a minute do you remember what he said how to do this it was it was a really really fun project we enjoyed working on that together but not copying off each other's papers and then you've proved my point that there is never whether it's a challenge i set or a challenge you set there is never a a right answer there is an infinity of right answers yeah yeah and a bigger infinity of wrong answers, but we'll leave that aside. <laughs> so in my case, so for my, I did work on my recipe and I had intentionally left myself some work to do. I'd, I, I'd intentionally left part of my recipe looking terrible so that I would have something to do to put into the show notes for this installment. So what <laughs> I had left looking terrible was my heading. And you commented on it last time. It was a giant big display heading. So when you went to a mobile phone, it took up half the screen and it was a sticky top. So you could never, on a small screen, actually see more than half the page worth of recipe because the header just followed you down. <laughs> really annoying. So, really, the sticky top was only there because I wanted an excuse to show sticky top. Not because I wanted a sticky top. So the very first thing was I made it unsticky. And that made it a bit less awful because at least you could run away from the silly heading. <laughs> but it was still a silly heading. So I want to, I like the silly, he- I like the big heading on a big screen, but I didn't like the big heading on a small screen. And unfortunately, based on what we know so far, there's no easy way to make the font size different at different breakpoints. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say we had learned that and I just didn't pay attention in class. No, it is possible with Bootstrap, but not with the stuff we've learned so far, because actually, Bootstrap is designed to be extended. So the idea, so we've just been using out-of-the-box Bootstrap. But the theory is that you would take Bootstrap as your starting point and you would extend it and you would add your own classes. And those classes you create yourself can make use of features provided by the standard Bootstrap stuff. So you could make your own class called, say, a podfeed heading. And a podfeed heading might have one font size at one breakpoint and another font size at another breakpoint. But you'd have to create that and you'd use Bootstrap as a building block. The thing is, to do that, we have to use something that we've never even heard of, but I'm sort of teasing it now because it's coming. It's just not for some time. Believe it or not, Bootstrap isn't written in CSS. It looks like CSS because the the end result is a .css file, but it's actually written in a language that compiles to CSS. It's actually written in something called SAS, which is a CS, sort of a CSS pre, um, pre-compiler, I guess. So basically you write it in SAS, and then the SAS is compiled into real CSS. Hmm. That's not SAS as in software as a service SAS. Not even slightly. It's okay. SAS as in a CSS preprocessor. 
Yeah, I know. It's a, it's an acronym that wasn't free, but they took it anyway. Okay. Uh, SAS is an alternative to less, if that <laughs> helps. Also not a free acronym. But anyway, we're going to learn about that later when we learn to make our own themes and stuff in Bootstrap to make, to make you know, we basically success doesn't have to be that shade of green. It could be any shade of green. How do you do that? Well, the answer is you you basically, you, you extend, you, you add extra lines into the base bootstrap and it's designed to be extensible. And when you do that, you can, it's called, they're called mix-ins. So basically you can mix in the different things at different breakpoints and say, so at this breakpoint, they want you to steal all of the styles from display dash three. And at this breakpoint, they want you to steal all of the styles from H4. And so then as you resize the page, it goes from a standard bootstrap H4 to a standard bootstrap display one. But we haven't learned any of that stuff yet, so this is purely me teasing. But the thing is, I still wanted the effect. I can't have it <laughs> the proper way, but I still wanted it. So okay. I hacked. I hacked using what we learned last time. So we learned that you can change the display property of a heading to make it appear and disappear at different screen sizes. So if I can't have one heading that changes size, why don't I have two headings, of which only one is ever visible? Oh, one at a time. One at a time. So at one breakpoint, you're seeing an H1. And another breakpoint, you're seeing a display dash one. Oh, okay. So how do you tell it to disappear when you're at a different breakpoint? Okay, so remember the D dash whatever tags can take a breakpoint. So we start off with... So the one that we want to be visible at big screens, it gets a... Um, it gets the... Um, D dash XL dash none. Sorry, it's the other way around. Um, the one, the normal one, the the not giant one, gets a D dash XL dash none. So the normal size one, the mobile first one, has a display of none at the XL size, whereas the smaller one has a display of none at all sizes. Sorry, the big one has a display of none at all sizes except for oh, okay. the big size. Oh, that's tricky. Now what I, I like also it. did is that. One of them, one of them, I gave an aria hidden equals true. So basically, assistive devices only ever see the first heading; they never see the second one. Because otherwise, so well, wait otherwise a the screen reader would see two headings. Huh? Really? Even oh, if yeah, it's not the screen displayed, reader isn't... so it exists. It's just not visible in print. in the browser, oh. right? But the, oh, that's it's, a still, idea. it's still in the HTML. Okay. So by saying aria-hidden equals true on the second one, it just means the second one just doesn't exist from the point of view of a screen reader. So from a screen reader's point of view, there's one heading. It's an H1, (laughs) which is a perfectly sensible thing for it to be. But from the point of view of a visual user, they're going to see either the the, the normal H1 or the display-dash-1, the giant big H1. And that's that's okay. all I did really for my homework. <laughs> I like, but it, it was though. a fun. Like it that. was a fun way to play with the so d dash xl dash known versus d dash xl dash block. Yeah, yeah. So well, anyway. I like it better. Yeah, so it now behaves a lot more sanely <laughs> now that it doesn't. Now that you actually can see it on a mobile phone, right? So without more dawdling, let us get stuck into the new stuff. Okay. So. We have just been including the CSS file at the top of our pages, but from now on, we need to include a JavaScript file. But actually, we're not including a JavaScript file because I think I already mentioned, but just I'm going to say it again anyway. So Bootstrap is designed to save you reinventing the wheel. 
But in a sort of a, it's turtles all the way down kind of a thing, <laughs> Bootstrap itself also didn't feel like reinventing the wheel. So Bootstrap is built on something we've already met before, a little thing called jQuery. So Bootstrap uses jQuery. So if you want to use Bootstrap, you have to use jQuery. So well, I like jQuery. We... Why wouldn't I? Exactly. So before we can include the Bootstrap CS JavaScript file, we also have to include the jQuery JavaScript file. But okay, Bootstrap so this doesn't... is the script thing that we put in the top of the HTML? It's the script thing we include in the HTML, and we have been putting it at the top, but put a pin on that for a moment. Okay. Um... So yeah, whenever we've wanted to use jQuery, we've included a script tag that points to jQuery's contact, content delivery network, their CDN, and it points out the latest version of jQuery. So we need to do that in our code before we point to the CDN for Bootstrap. But actually, oh. we have to do a little bit more because Bootstrap isn't only using jQuery. Bootstrap has one other dependency. It's another JavaScript library that also uses jQuery. So Bootstrap is built on jQuery, and Bootstrap is built on something called popper.js, which is also built on jQuery. So in order to use Bootstrap's JavaScript, we have to include three script tags. First, the jQuery script tag, and it has to come first. Then Hmm. the popper script tag, and it has to come after jQuery, but before Bootstrap. And then when those other two are loaded, then Bootstrap can be loaded. And then only when Bootstrap is loaded can we do any of our own custom JavaScript that uses Bootstrap. That's interesting. Um, is it interesting why they have to be in that order? It is, because what Bootstrap actually does is it... there There is... jQuery is extensible. There's a concept of something called a jQuery plugin. And Bootstrap adds jQuery plugins for each of its components that we're about to meet. Hmm. So you actually access Bootstrap's functionality through jQuery. So we're going to use the dollar function to get at Bootstrap. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And, we and know Bootstrap we have to have can't yeah. inject itself into jQuery if jQuery hasn't been loaded yet. Okay, and Popper is the same way? Popper is used by Bootstrap, and Popper also uses jQuery. So again, <laughs> okay. Popper, Popper needs then to come C. after jQuery. Yeah. I know yeah, I'm going to so like Popper. So there's a dependency cause... tree. I clicked on your link and it was a beautiful animation that came up and it says popper.js is a kick-ass library used to manage poppers in web applications now so much more powerful. Basically, I just want to play on this web page. When you hover over things on a lot of modern websites, little call-outs appear next to the thing that you're hovering over to sort of say what it does. Like you hover over something and without clicking on anything, this nice little thing pops out. A lot mm-hmm. of those are done using popper. That That's what it's for. Okay. And Bootstrap... When we get into form validation and stuff, Bootstrap is going to use those kind of nice little pop-outs. And rather than reinventing the wheel, Bootstrap uses Popper. I'm just going to be playing on the popper.js page while you talk. It's this pretty. It's really fun. Yeah, everything's <laughs> jumping around, but in, in a beautiful way. I like it. Yeah, well, okay. you're going to get all of that functionality via Bootstrap. But okay. Bootstrap didn't reinvent the wheel. Bootstrap just went, we'll have that, please, yoink. And then it's going to present it to us in a really cool way. So as fun as it is on Popper, it's even more fun when we get it through Bootstrap. Okay. Okay, so we just we need to get into the habit of always including those three things in that order. First jQuery, then Popper, then Bootstrap, and then our code. Now, up until now, we have always um, included our JavaScript at the top of the file, inside the head section. And that is entirely correct... But it's not necessarily best practice. 
even if it is correct. So it depends on what you're doing. So if you put the JavaScript in the head section, what you're saying to the browser is you must load all of this JavaScript before you start to render the body. Now, if you're writing a web app or a game or something, that actually makes sense because what is the point in showing you the UI for, for an app if the UI doesn't do anything because the JavaScript hasn't loaded yet? So if you put it in the head, the JavaScript will load and then the buttons and stuff will appear. Okay. But most of the internet is not apps. Most of the internet is content where what you actually want to do, what the, the user is trying to achieve is to read something and when they're finished reading, they might click about and do some stuff. So in that scenario, what you actually want to happen is the opposite. You want the body to load and then the scripts to follow on later while the user's halfway through the first paragraph or something. So to achieve the opposite effect, what you actually do is you put your script at the bottom of the body tag. So would a normal old website like podfeet.com be in the latter case where you'd want to put it afterwards? Yes, it is. And if you if you do a few source, it's probably where hopefully it's where uh, WordPress puts it. Huh. Although it would be okay. up your theme actually rather than WordPress core. Okay. All right. But yeah. So for much of the web, it actually makes sense to put it at the bottom. And so if you read the docs on getbootstrap.com, they will tell you to put those three script tags as the last thing inside the body. Okay. Now none of it doesn't. Right. So. It, it doesn't matter that the Java. It doesn't really matter where the JavaScript comes in terms of the JavaScript's functionality. What what you're controlling is what whether the user sees the page before it's clickable, or whether the user only sees the page after the scripts have all loaded. Hmm. And so, because jQuery uses the document ready event handler to do its stuff, it doesn't really matter when the JavaScript gets loaded because it's not actually going to do its thing until the whole page is loaded anyway. Right, so it all kind of right. continues to work. Okay. Regardless of where you put it, it will work. So the question is just, how are you optimizing it? And if you're a ready sort of website, you should optimize it by putting the scripts at the bottom. And if you're an app sort of website, I would argue you should put the scripts at the top. Okay. At the end of the day, the scripts will work wherever you put them. Right. Now, we are going to be using JavaScript with Bootstrap, but we don't, we don't have to write a single letter of javascript unless we want to hmm so how you might ask well the answer is because bootstrap uses the document ready event handler and then so when document ready fires bootstrap is listening for that and what bootstrap does is it reads through the entire web page looking for specially worded as in described in the documentation specially worded html data tag attributes and it will simply do whatever the data attribute tells it. So for most of the time, if you just want to do stuff out of the box, you basically write the functionality you want in your HTML. And when the document loads, Bootstrap is listening for jQuery's document ready event handler. It then analyzes the document looking for your data tags, sorry, data attributes. And then it does whatever the data attributes tell it to do. And so you haven't written a single line of JavaScript, but you have JavaScript functionality. Okay, I don't know what a lot of that was, so I I, I believe you, but well, maybe we're going I'll to see it in example. action, right? So okay, good. what we're going to do today is I'm so what I, the, the the real point of today is to get the general principle across, but we're going to learn the principle with a specific example. We're going to learn about a single component, and that's going to illustrate the point. 
Okay. And then what I'm going to say is that all the other components follow the same pattern. Okay. So today it's going to be hard because it's your first time seeing the pattern. But next time it'll be easier because the pattern will be the same. It's just it won't be an alert. It'll be a dialogue. And then the next time it'll be something else. But the pattern will always be the same. Okay. And I hope so I'll get to know what the nouns are that you used. So you used some that I didn't know what they were. Well, some of it is okay. um, what, what we call revision in, in Europe, as in mm-hmm. revisiting the same thing we've learned before. But it's, it's, yeah. we're, we're going a little bit back into the old archive here. Okay. And you know so how good I am at that. <laughs> right. So we're going to start core competency. Okay. So what is an alert? Okay. So an alert is a little... It's a piece of text on a web page that has been highlighted so that it stands out and that's designed to catch your eye and to deliver you a message. It's not designed to take up the whole screen. It's designed to, to discreetly sit at the top of a section of, you know, in a logical place within the UI, usually at the top of things, and to tell you something, to alert you to some piece of information. Uh, so right now, where you see it an awful lot is... GDPR notifications and cookie notifications literally at the top of web pages. And they're often dismissible. So they would often have a little button to make them go away. Another place you often see them is in a web app. So imagine you're on a webmail client and you click compose new email. You end up on a new UI that lets you type a to, a subject and the actual body of your message. You hit send. Pretty much every webmail app will then take you back to your inbox but most of them will have at the top of your inbox a little notification to say that email was sent. Yes? And that's an alert? That's an alert. It's alerting you to the fact that it sent the email. Okay. So Bootstrap gives you alerts. You simply pick a tag of your choosing. The div is a common choice. And you give it class equals alert. And hey, presto, you've made an alert. But you need to do a tiny bit more. You need to tell it uh, which color of alert effectively you want so you have the usual choices alert dash primary alert dash secondary alert dash success alert dash danger alert dash warning alert dash info alert dash light and alert dash dark they should sound familiar because they're the same quote-unquote colors we keep hearing all over the place right to help screen readers you should also follow the aria rules and there is an aria role named alert so if you're making an alert you should tell screen readers that it is an alert so you should also say role equals alert so that's okay. not bootstrap so, that's aria okay so an alert appears to have some semantic meaning but i'm not sure what its meaning is its meaning what, is to tell you a short message that you I, need to have your attention drawn to what is the what are the attributes of an alert? Your message has been sent. You have one new message. Um, no, no, no. Those are examples. I'm I'm saying. How do you know from the word alert? I can't think of any other synonym. Okay. A notification, ish. Well, but like a pop up thing ad on the right hand side saying you should watch this video about how to make hair grow between your toes. Is that an alert? Can I make that an alert? You can if you're evil. Okay. I'm just trying um, to think, what, mean, what, is there a bounding condition of what can, should, is an alert? It should be a short, concise message that you need to draw your visitor's attention to. Okay. So it, something you, short and to the point that stands out, because it's supposed to stand out. So I'm, I'm a little confused because of something I read while you were talking that you didn't say. Uh, basic bootstrap alerts that are not dismissible... Right, and are so by default, they're not loads. dismissible. So they're just a little message that's there. 
Okay, but the example you gave was the GDPR ones that usually have a dismissal thing. So those aren't alerts? They are alerts. But they, okay, so alert in Bootstrap, if you do the simplest possible one, doesn't have the close button. Okay. Because the close button needs JavaScript. So we're going to start with a really simple one. So it's exactly like that, but without the close button. Now I'm with you. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so we're building it up, right? I'm starting simple and we're, we're adding in functionality. Maybe too simple, but... No, okay. no, no, don't. When you start talking JavaScript, don't go too slow. You can't go too slow for me. <laughs> okay. So there's no JavaScript yet, right? So what we have is a div, class equals alert, space alert dash info, role equals alert. So the role equals alert is the aria bit. That's not bootstrap, that's aria. And that's mm-hmm. us being good people, remembering that we have users on planet Earth who, who, who rely on devices that need aria stuff to work properly. Yes. Uh, then we have some content. If this page used cookies, this alert would warn you about the <laughs> smiley face. Okay. And so I used an alert dash info. So that shows up in a sort of a blue color, as you can see from the little screenshot. Mm-hmm. So it is clearly designed to catch your eye, right? It's, it's a, it has a background color. It, it is designed to look different to the main body of a page. Is that a fair right. statement? Yes. So that's what makes it an alert. And you wouldn't do something big like that. It's designed to be a small, concise, I need to tell you this. There it is. That's what makes it an alert. Uh, We can do more. Uh, So we can include, we can make our our alerts a little bit bigger. We can include headings in them and make them look right by giving them the class alert-heading. We can have links inside our alerts have an appropriate color to match the rest of the alert by giving them the class alert-link. And we can chunk our alert into sections using the HR tag. It's designed to work properly with an HR. So a slightly more advanced version would say div class equals alert space alert dash info role equals alert. Then we could have an H4 class equals alert dash heading GDPR notice. And then a paragraph. This dummy page doesn't collect any of your personal information. So we have nothing to declare. Smiley face. Then a HR. Okay, keep going. And then another paragraph, want to know more about GDPR, question mark, check out, and then a link, the Wikipedia article. End paragraph, end alert. So our alert now has a heading, a paragraph, a divider, and another paragraph. And that paragraph contains a link. And it's all nicely marked up using the appropriate classes. Why does it matter to call it a, uh, a heading, tell it that the heading class is an alert heading? Because Which otherwise it would be black and it would look like the, the PBS60 heading below it and it would look ick. So it's it's merely visual. It has no functional uh, meaning? Yes, it is purely to say that I want this heading to be styled in keeping with this being an alert. Okay. And the same with the link. It just okay. makes the link look right. Okay, good to know. Okay. Yes. And the HR looks right by default. So now our alert is a little bit bigger. And it has a nice heading, the link looks decent, and there's a nice dividing line between our two paragraphs because I put an HR tag in. HR for horizontal rule. So we now have a nice, but again, so far, 100% CSS. No JavaScript anywhere in sight. Okay. Also no dismiss button. So let's make it dismissible. So the way, J- the way Bootstrap Alerts work is that if you put a button inside an alert, and you give that button the HTML data attribute data minus dismiss with the value of alert, 
then that button will become a close button automatically. Hmm. And the way that works is that when the document ready event handler fires, Bootstrap's built-in JavaScript searches the document for anything with class equals alert. And then inside anything with class equals alert, it looks for buttons with data dash dismiss equals alert. And if it finds one, it says, well, this button is going to be tied to the alert it is contained within. And when they click the button, I will take care of it for them. Hmm. So you are basically signaling to Bootstrap that it should write its own JavaScript for you. Wow. So you have JavaScript without JavaScript, which is why people love Bootstrap. (laughs) Right? Okay. Because if you're a front-end web developer, you love HTML, no problem, but you may not like JavaScript. You probably aren't a programmer if you're a front-end, you know, if you're just a, a, not just, that's the wrong word. If you're a designer by, you know, if your skills are in design, that doesn't mean you're a good coder. Right. What you would really like is to be able to express your desires using only HTML, and that's why these data attributes are so useful. Now, we okay. haven't yet learned how to do buttons in, in Bootstrap. So for now, the actual code for the button is kind of a take my word for it, but I can easily walk you through it. So button, okay, we've seen the button tag before. Type equals button. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we're used to, button type equals button. Class equals close. This is a bootstrap utility class we didn't talk about because we haven't talked about forms yet. What it says is, I'd like this button to be invisible, please. I'd like it to sort of be transparent so that all you see is the content of the button. Hmm. The content of the button is a times symbol, ampersand times semicolon. And to make it not confuse screen readers, that little ampersand times semicolon is inside an aria dash hidden. So it's just a span wraps it with aria dash hidden equals true. So is so ampersand just, times semicolon what makes the little x? Yes. That is okay. a, a multiplication symbol is subtly different to the letter x. Oh, okay. Multiplication symbol. Okay. Yes. So as, as in, you know, the four times tables. Huh. Okay. Um, the other thing we have is your data dash dismiss equals alert. So that's the bit that tells Bootstrap, I want you to transform this button automatically into a dismiss button for an alert. And then the aria dash label equals close is just, again, telling a screen reader, this button is a close button. Because the only actual text inside the button is a multiplication symbol. <laughs> right. Right. So by telling it, by telling screen readers this is a close button, you're being extremely helpful to our blind listeners. Right. Right. So it it looks like a lot of markup, but all that's going on is you're saying, give me a normal button. Use the Jake, not use the Bootstrap utility close to make it a close button. Data dash dismiss equals alert. That's the important bit. That's the magic. That's that's the bit that tells Bootstrap's built-in JavaScript, I want you to make this be a close button. So make it the, go away. So may add a, a dot click handler to this button that will close the alert or dismiss, to use Bootstrap terminology. Okay. And so you now have the standard GDPR notification. Cool. You can see it in action if you don't believe me. Inside the zip file, you're going to find a file named pbs56a.html. And that contains my little jokey GDPR notice with its little close button. And if you click on that close button, either in Code Runner or in a full-blown browser, it will go away. And the only way to get it back is to refresh the page. So uh, after we're done with the show, Bart will turn that into PBS 60A, not 56A, and it will actually uh, 
work. I believe we're in 60A, aren't we? Yeah, but on when I extracted the zip, it was 60A. Yep. No, you said 56A because oh. that's what your show notes say. Oh, my show notes are wrong, not my zip file. Correct. I wasn't going to correct okay. you, except you said it out loud that way too. So I am yeah, fixing that. I'm reading my own stuff. Yes. Fix that. Uh, don't worry about it. I've got you covered. <laughs> I've just done a command F for 56A because the camp, there's no such thing as a correct 56A on this page. There we go. Fixed. Okay. Okay. All right. So I don't know if you've opened that in your browser. You probably have because you love playing along. Mm-hmm. And does it do what I say? Let's see. Ta-da! It goes away. It goes away. And you're not, the only way to get it back is to reload the page. Okay. So most of the time, that's all you need, right? You just use data attributes to tell Bootstrap what JavaScript you want written for you. So data attributes, that's the data dash dismiss, dismiss equals alert? Yes. So we did talk about data attributes a long time ago. Long, long, long time ago. Yeah. And it may have been like before Once I saw it typed, 20. it was vaguely familiar, but not to the point where I would know when you said data attributes meant that. Okay. Yeah. So basically, data minus says, I am a data attribute, and then the name of the attribute is the bit that comes after the minus. So the actual data attribute here is dismiss, but you write it as data dash dismiss. Gotcha. And its value is alert to get all the nouns and things. So yeah, it's called the data attribute because it's an attribute inside the button tag. Okay. Yeah, and basically it just writes the JavaScript for you. Or rather, Bootstrap writes its own JavaScript for you. So Bootstrap bootstraps the JavaScript for you. But you don't have to let Bootstrap do it. Bootstrap also provides the ability for people who want to write JavaScript to do all of this kind of stuff through JavaScript. And it does it using jQuery plugins. And specifically... It will create a plugin with the same name as the component in question. So there is a jQuery. So Bootstrap injects into jQuery a plugin with the name Alert, and that allows you to do alerts through jQuery. And in specific, it lets us do three things. So the magic happens when the document ready event fires. So if I use jQuery to create new HTML that wasn't there when the document loaded, and if I use all the same classes and all the same data attributes, they won't work because they didn't exist when the document ready event fired. So I need to be able to retroactively say, and do this one too. So that's the first thing we have to learn. Does that make sense? Um, sort of. Okay, so you have a page that has no alerts. Right. And then you want to add an alert because something has happened. Oh, oh, okay. So something has happened and that had not happened when the document event handler ran. So it doesn't yeah. exist. So you have to tell it, now go run that? Yeah, now go and ter- transform this piece of HTML into an actual alert that will dismiss when I click the button. Okay. So we need to be able to retroactively... So, so basically, if you're writing a web app, the user is clicking on things and pushing on things. So when they hit send on something, your app needs to be able to create an alert that says, we've sent your message. Right, right, okay. And that's dynamic. That's happening when they do something. Right. And so the document ready handler could have fired four hours ago. And you've right. just created an alert now, so it's going to have none of the functionality that okay. the document ready handler put into it. So we okay. need to be able to 
add that functionality in at any time in the future. So that's the first thing we have to do. We need to be able to to add that uh, the the magic to stuff we create later. We also want to be able to respond to an event when someone clicks the dismiss button. Maybe we want to do something in response. So there's events when you click on a normal button. So why wouldn't there be an event when you interact with an alert? Okay. And then the last thing we want to do is, well, we can use jQuery to behave like the user, right? We were able to use jQuery to make things hide and disappear and to pretend to click on a button and so forth. So why can't we have JavaScript dismiss our alert for us? Yes? So in the generic case, we want the ability to add components in after the page loads. We want the ability to respond to events and we want the ability to make events happen. Okay, right, right. And we're going to learn it with alerts, but that we need to do that for all of them in the future, right? Those are the three things we're always going to want to do. And the way we do them is going to be consistent. It's just that instead of the magic word being alert, it'll be something else. And instead of the magic word being close, it might be something else. So if it's a carousel, it might be next slide. Oh, oh right, you know, right, right, right. So okay. basically, whatever, whatever makes sense in the context of the thing we're doing is what we're going to be able to do. But we're going to be able to add stuff in after the page loads, know when a user has done something, and do something. So those are the three things we're always going to want to do. So we're going to do a worked example using alerts, and the finished product is pbs60b.html, but we're going to build it up together. You can sneak ahead and have a look if you like. So are so you the, starting with 60a and building it up? No, no, I'm afraid. You're starting with 60b and opening it up? Yeah, we're just, okay because yeah, I didn't have time to. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I just want to know which one to open up. Yeah, so you can open it up. Basically, I'm going to talk you through the JavaScript little by little. The HTML, I'm just going to just describe it so that, you know, we have the sure. big picture structure. It's nothing special. In the head section, we include the bootstrap CSS because we always have to do that. Even if we're, you know, JavaScript or no JavaScript, that CSS always has to be there. Then we have our body of our document. It just uh, it contains a container, contains a row, contains a call. It has a heading. It has a text, a paragraph. And then we have our buttons. Now, we haven't learned how to do buttons. So this is a sneak peek at how jQuery does buttons, by the way. Uh, you'll notice it's button class equals btn, btn-primary. So, oh, look, we have our primary again. And we also have a btn-danger. We give our buttons an ID. We call them an alert button and a close button. And the text is add an alert and close all alerts. So that gives us some idea what we're going to make this JavaScript do. And then we're done in terms of the HTML we see. There's also, there's an empty div that just contains an ID insert underscore here. Three guesses where our alerts are going to (laughs) go. And then at the end of the body, we have include bootstrap JavaScript. Script source equals jQuery. Script source equals popper. Script source equals bootstrap. Oh, hang on. But you, you did... You did bootstrap at the top and at the bottom, but it's bootstrap CSS at the top, bootstrap... JavaScript at the bottom. JavaScript at the bottom, but it's boots, It's just called bootstrap at the bottom. No, oh, it so is .js. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so the CSS goes at the beginning and the JavaScript goes at the bottom, and then but the jQuery and Popper have to pre- preclude that or pre-date Seed. that. Anyway, precede, that was the word. Okay, so your, your class equals btn actually does create a button on the screen. You haven't done anything. It does. It's got a, it's got a pretty little blue button there. 
Yeah, it's actually quite nice. That, that, that's a that's a standard uh, bootstrap oh, button. Rounded, quite nice. rounded button. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, bootstrap likes roundy things. Nice. It's, it's very bootstrappy. And then only after we've done that do we actually have our own JavaScript code. So starting on line thirty-one, it says add our own JavaScript code. So that's what we're going to talk through together. Those thirty lines. And a lot of this is going to be. Do you remember way back when, Alison? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so the first thing is. It's all about the document ready handler, right? So dollar open bracket and then an anonymous function is the way you tell jQuery do this when the document is ready. Right. So everything from line thirty four to line sixty four is the doc is a document ready event handler. That actually does look familiar. Okay. Now we have two buttons on this page. So there's two event handlers we have to write. What happens when we click the first button? And what happens when we click the second button. So our document ready handler contains two chunks of code, an event handler for when you click on the add button and an event handler for when you click on the close button. Okay? Yep. So let's start with the first of those two. So we say dollar and then inside quotation marks pound sign alert button. So do we remember what that jQuery does? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. We're querying the page using jQuery to find the thing in the page that has an ID of alert button. I did think that was an ID. I'd gotten that far. Okay. Okay. So on our page, is there something with ID equals alert button? Yes. Yes, it's That's on line 19. Alert. It is a button. Right. And then we're saying dot click. And then the argument to dot .click is another anonymous function. So what we're saying is when you click on that button, do this. Right. So everything from line 37 to line 53 is this. So when we click on that button, this is what we do. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to create a new alert. So remember, I was, remember we could use jQuery to create things and they exist in limbo. And then when we're ready, we inject them into the actual page and then they appear. Do we remember yeah. that? Yeah. So, so in limbo, we're going to create an alert. And I'm just going to give it the name $A. So const $A equals, and then we use jQuery to create a new HTML tag. So we say sign, and we give it a string that is an HTML tag. In this case, we're saying div. So that just makes an empty div. Okay. Yes. And then we say dot text. So in other words, take this empty div and give it the following piece of text. Well done, comma, you added an alert. Okay, so we now have right. a div with the text we just specified. It's not right. an alert yet, it's just a div. So now we give it two CSS classes using the dot add class function from jQuery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we say alert space alert dash success. So we're going to use a nice green one. So dollar a dot add class. Yeah, that looks so hence, that I remember liking that. <laughs> good. So we now good. have a div with two CSS classes and some text. The next thing we want is we want our close button. So we say $a.prepend. So prepend means shove into the front of. Do you remember that you could wait prepend or wait, 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 wait. We just finished building our, ad, our alert button. Why aren't we just building a close button? We're we doing are. something to the alert button? Okay, so the little X inside of the alert. We're adding the little X inside the alert. We're making the little dismiss button inside the alert. Okay. 
Sorry, but 68, 60B doesn't have a close button, doesn't have an X inside the alert. Uh, well, there is no alert yet. Until you click the button, there is no alert. So if you open 60B in your browser, click add alert. They must oh, oh I see what you're doing. Okay. All right. Caught up. Okay, okay. So if we press our, we've, we've pressed our alert button and it's made a little box that's going to have uh, this alert, alert class and alert dash success class. Uh, yeah. So that's going to make it be an alert. It's going to make it green. But it doesn't yet have a close button. So the next thing we have to do is inject our little button to dismiss it. Our little times button. Our little X. time symbol, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So okay. basically Got we're you. saying $A.prepend. So in other words, we want to stick into the front of $A, which is our div. And then we just give it dollar sign and a whole bunch of HTML. Copy-paste job. Okay. Why is it prepend? Why isn't it after the text? Because I don't want the X at the bottom. So if I make the browser really small, I don't want the X to come a few lines down. I want the X to be right up the top. So I'm putting it in first. But why isn't it before the text then? So it says, well done, you added an alert, and then there's a time. So the close class makes it float right. Really? Yes, oh. it does. Okay. Yes. That, but so when so you say class equals right. closed, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bootstrap thing that makes closed buttons float to the right. Huh. Okay. That makes sense, but it seems odd that they're prepended, but okay. But if I didn't prepend, it would be floating to the right from the bottom, which means it would be at the bottom right. I want it floating from the right at the top, so I put it in first. Okay. There's no top or bottom. It's straight in line with the text. That's because right now it's on one line, but make the browser really narrow and then it does matter. No, it stops. If it spills onto two lines, well, it's always going to be right because I've prepended. If I appended, it would be wrong. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So it works because I prepended. Okay, you keep talking. And I discovered this by having appended first and it looked silly. (laughs) This is why I know it works that way. Uh Now, the magic happens in the next... Line, so line 45. This is where we say to Bootstrap, I know this didn't exist when you ran your document ready handler and did all of your magic, but I'd like you to come and turn this into an alert, please. We simply say $A dot alert. So dot alert is a function. Dollar, alert is now a part of jQuery because Bootstrap added that function into jQuery. So just like prepend as a jQuery oh, my function. My head hurts. Hang on, let me try to say that. J, uh, Bootstrap added the alert function inside jQuery. jQuery didn't have yes. it until Bootstrap started yakking it at uh, jQuery. And that's why Bootstrap had to be added after jQuery. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, look at that. I will and never remember jQuery, that, but okay. <laughs> jQuery is actually designed to work like this. They're called jQuery plugins. So okay. Bootstrap added a plugin to jQuery called alert. Okay. And so now it's as if the thing had always been there. It's as if it had been there when the document loaded. It's had all of the magic applied. So that data dash dismiss equals alert has now done its thing. Now, <laughs> for now, mentally skip over lines 47 to 50 there for later. Okay. So now we just come to line 53. We just dollar pound sign insert here dot append dollar a. So we're selecting our empty div and saying shove dollar a into our empty div. Hey presto, we have added an alert. So if you now load that page, oh wait a minute! Before all of this, it it didn't show up on s- screen. Yeah, there was nothing, right? Because this is an event handler. So unless you click, this code never executes. 
Oh, I keep thinking we're talking about the button. We're talking about the, the, the alert itself. I keep looking at the button going, no, the button's right there, Bart. But not until I right. click the button does the alert exist. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So you can do it there. Click away and hey, presto, it works. So wait a minute. So you've got uh, hashtag insert underscore here. Right. So insert that's, underscore here is our empty that's div. An I, that's calling an ID. Yep. And then we're saying was, dot append. Wait, 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 where where did we make dollar? Okay. Where did Line we 21. make? Mm-mm. Oh, oh, okay, above the JavaScript stuff, or the bootstrap stuff. Yeah, yeah. So div class equals mt dash three. So we're giving it a margin top of three. ID. That's where you said insert here. Yeah. Here. Okay, I remembered you saying it, but okay. All right. Yeah. So we're we're saying dollar pound sign insert here. So find me the thing in the page with the ID insert here, and then we're calling dot append. So shove into the end of it. Dollar A. Right. So we've we built it and now we're saying do it. Shove it into the page. So you click yeah. the button and an alert appears. And you can do it again and again and again. <laughs> ah. Because well, it's an alert. Why couldn't you keep doing it? Oh, that's exciting. And each of them can be individually dismissed because they've each had the magic dot alert applied to them on line forty five. And so they'll each behave properly. Right. So that's one of our three things we wanted to learn about. So we now have the ability to create alerts after the page is loaded and bless them with the bootstrap magic by simply saying $A.alert. Okay. So that's one out of three. That's not too bad. So the next thing is event handlers. So this is when I said mentally skip over lines 48 and 49 and 50. Well, let's unskip those. Bootstrap creates events for all of the things you could do to a component. Now, in the case of an, of an alert, there is exactly one thing you can do. You can dismiss it. So there is exactly one event that we need to care about. Now, the events are all named what you want to do dot BS dot name of the plugin. Now, BS is for bootstrap, not for you know what. But it makes me chuckle every time. Every time. It shouldn't because I'm, I'm obviously a big child. But it makes me <laughs> chuckle every time. So in this case, event.bs.alert. So in other words, close.bs.alert. So event.bs.plugin. And so we're saying $A.on. So when this event happens, wait, do wait, this. Hold, sorry. I, I'm having sw- trouble switching. So the event is close. The plugin is alert. And bootstrap yes. goes between. Okay. Yeah. So it's right. what happened and then to what. And the to what is the bootstrap thing alert. Okay. So close, big picture, littler picture. So close, bootstrap, alert. Okay. So we say inside our our, our click handler, we're saying, by the way, add a listener for this alert being dismissed. And when when the alert is dismissed or closed, do this. And I was very unimaginative. This is simply console.log, an alert was closed, which is why I asked you. Hang on, I, I don't remember what a listener is. I don't. Okay, so a listener is some JavaScript code that executes when something happens. So click is an event handler, is a listener. So when you click a button, then it does something. So this is going to wait for someone to dismiss the alert and then do something. And that something could be literally anything. Okay, so the the part above it, you hadn't actually, I don't think you'd said it out loud, a a dot on and then closed.bs.alert in quotes. Yes. So... On execution of this closed.bs.alert, which is already built in, 
do this function and you said the console.log and alert was closed. Okay. Yeah. So if you open up the web console and start dismissing these alerts, you will see that they log. An alert was closed. Okay. An alert was closed. Gotcha. So there we go. That's two out of three done. Okay. We have now made them appear and we have listened to them being closed. So the last thing then is don't let the user do it. We will do it on behalf of the user. So that's what the second button is for. That's what the giant Ah. big red danger button is for. Close all of them. Okay. So that's where line 56 comes in. So we're adding a new event handler. So we're saying dollar sign, pound sign, close button. So in other words, search the document for something with ID equals close button. And then call jQuery's click function with one argument. And that one argument is an anonymous function. In other words, when someone clicks this button, do this. So what is this? Well, it's only three lines. So on line 59, we say dollar sign pound insert here space dot alert. So what's going on here? This is more, this is actually go deep, deep in your mind. Pound insert underscore here. That's a, that's an ID, which must be somewhere on this page. Right, so that's a CSS that's selector. So the first thing it's saying is look for something with the ID and insert here. And then there's a space inside a CSS selector. So what does a space inside a CSS selector mean? I don't know. It means contains. So what does a dot mean? Okay. So pound was ID. What was dot? Forget. Okay, well, what's ID's little friend? You can have exactly one of something with the same ID. What's the thing you can have as many of as you like? I forget. That's class. still saying I forget. Class. Okay. So we add IDs and classes. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is, I want something. With, I want everything with the class alert that is inside something with the ID insert here. Okay. So the div insert here contains all of our alerts. In other words. I would like all of our alerts. The div insert here contains all of our alerts. But there aren't... Well, every, every time you click the button, one gets added. I'm, so, I'm lost. So uh, up on line 21, possibly, it's hard to see. You've got the div mm-hmm. I, the ID insert here that's in a div, but there's no classes yes. inside up there. They got... At the, okay, at the point in time the page loads, that is an empty div. That is a true statement. Right, so I've got to go find what? But at the moment the you click pound? add alert, no, at the moment you click add alert, that, okay, so when that's the page when the, loads. That's when the alert, the button gets created that has the class dot alert, and it's got, did the button have the ID insert underscore here? No, the div it no, was in had. No, no, the div, the div contains that ID. So when okay. the page loads, that query will find exactly zero results. Mm-hmm. So if you click the close all button when the page has just loaded, it will get zero results. And so this function will do nothing. It will search the document for alerts and find none. So it'll find the ID insert underscore here, but there'll be nothing inside it. Yeah. So, so there's this... not, and, and let, let, me, let me try to say this. So the dot alert class got added... When we created our first click function, inside the click function. Okay, there it is. Okay. Okay, so when the page loads, that jQuery 
query will find zero results. If you click the add alert button once, then it will start to find one result. If you click it twice, it will start to find two results. If you click it three times, it will start to find three results. Okay. Right? So as you add alerts, this same piece of code will start to match more and more and more of them because more of them exist inside that div. Does that make sense? Yes. So the next thing we call is jQueries.each function, which is a loop. It basically says, do this piece of code to everything you found. Right. Remember that one? And what are we doing to everything we found? So dollar this, your favorite word on the planet, dollar this, which we have seen before, but I'll remind you. So every time the dot each function was going to run once for everything it finds. And each time, dollar this will refer to the current one I'm processing. The one it just found. That makes sense, right? And then we call the alert plugin again. But this time we don't call it with zero arguments like we did on line 45. We call it with one argument, the string close. And that's the way jQuery plugins work. When you call them with no arguments, you're saying initialize. And when you call it with an argument, you're saying do a thing. Hmm. Okay. So the thing is going to be defined in the documentation. And in this case, the thing we want to do is the only thing that makes any sense is close. Okay. That makes sense. So what we're doing here is we're saying find all of the alerts and close them. And so you click away there and make five or six alerts and then <laughs> click the giant big red button and poof, they all yep. finish. Okay. I know you say this is a simple example, but this is really hard for me again. I know. That's why That's okay. why I chose a simple example, right? There's not okay. much... An alert has one thing we can do. Okay. So we've made them, we've listened for when they're closed, and we've closed them. Right. So they're the three types of thing that we're going to be doing to every single type of component. But as the components get more complicated we might have the ability to have the next image in the carousel or the previous image in the carousel or to add an extra image into the carousel or to remove an image from the carousel. So you can see how a more complex component might have more than just close. It might have add image, remove image, next image, previous image, start, stop, speed up, slow down, right? You can see how on more complicated components that JavaScript could give us more options. Right, right. But the type of thing we're doing remains the same, which is why I picked alert as our first one, because it has one thing you can do. Close it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. I believe that is sufficient. I think it is. So let's give you a little bit of homework. It's not hard homework. But it okay. Is homework. So I've broken the homework into two parts, and the second part is optional, depending on how you're feeling. First part's easy, though. Challenge one. Add a dismissible alert into the recipe you've been working on. Okay. Challenge two, create a blank HTML page and then import the Bootstrap CSS and the Bootstrap JavaScript functionality. Add a text box that the user can type some text into, a dropdown which lists one entry for all the different Bootstrap styles, so alert-primary, alert-secondary, etc. And then add a button that will create a new dismissible alert with the text from the text box in the style selected by the dropdown. And then add a button to make them all go away. I believe I have all of the tools to do option two, or the optional challenge. We will see whether I can, uh, I can do that. <laughs> 
you do all of the tools have been covered, but there's a lot of digging back in the in the old memory banks here. It's a very short the actual code here is going to be short, but the amount of remembering is going to be high. I'm guessing so I'm going to get to use uh, Dorothy's index quite a bit to do it. That's pretty much it, exactly. So basically, technically, this is easy homework, but it, I know it's genuinely challenging because this is stuff we haven't looked at in months. Yeah, months, years. <laughs> it may, yeah. Given that we're you know, we only record every two weeks and we're on episode sixty. Yep. Yeah, it could be. It years. actually genuinely could be years. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm anxious. I hope I'm up to this. You have two whole weeks, remember? I know. <laughs> I always seem to wait until two days before, but uh, luckily Dorothy will be there to whip the uh, whip me into shape. Yeah, I would suggest for this one because right, th- th- there's some serious remembering of old stuff going on here. I would suggest not leaving this one to the last minute. I will give it my best shot. All right, Bart. Okie dokie. Well, anyway, until whenever we talk again and whenever you decide to do your homework, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.